Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, as always, we've got Jamison Maxwell and Ty Lee. And boys, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, got a little bit of uh, Ty's 999 to talk about that happened on Saturday. A uh, couple college football playoff bits of news. But uh, look, if you're reading the title, we're not going to waste your time. We're going to get straight to it and talk about some recruiting. Um, look, it, we, this is the first day of May. Actually, technically, second day of May. Uh, and if you're listening to this third day of May, actually. So I clearly... <laughs> there, there goes Bobby. Woof. Clearly wrong. But uh, look, April... I gotta say, April was a pretty pretty, uh, pretty good uh, month for recruiting, Jameson. What do you think? It was nice. Honestly, having a lot of commits around a spring game, I just didn't think was going to be a thing anymore. I understand we're going to have recruits come in. But this Brent Venables, like, you know, mantra is... If you're going to commit now, good luck. Can't take visits later. And this new official visit rule where they can pretty much just take as much as they want, you feel like it'd be pushed even farther back. But we got a decent amount of recruits to commit to us over this April month and through the spring game. That makes me feel really optimistic about this class. Yeah, no, I, I mean, absolutely. I, I feel pretty excited about it myself. Uh, it was going – the reset uh, – from you know closing out 2023 to really ramping up for 24, you never really know when that comes, but it looks like they kicked it up an extra notch for sure. And I'll, I would love to get into it a little bit deeper for sure. Uh, but I want to talk to, I want to say hi to Ty. Ty. Hi, how are you, Ty? Uh, how are you doing? Um, I know we're about to go into a long Jameson spiel here, and I didn't want you to um, not be able to say anything until minute number like nine. So uh, how are you? No, how, I, how are you feeling? I, I'm doing good. I, I do have some questions. I have some fun, I think, questions that might come up as we go into the uh, into the recruiting. So obviously, we won't interrupt Jameson, but at natural pauses, uh, there might be there might be some questions about things because it, it seems that OU, perhaps, you know, just as a primer before we dive into recruiting, it seems that OU is doing the, the wrong thing when it comes to recruiting. Because uh, I've seen from other coaches, some are saying, you know, maybe one of the greatest coaches of all time, uh, that if you sign even a single five-star, you then have to, to basically cut 40 people on your team uh, and barely be able to even field a team. And uh, that's how you win the national championship. Or so I've been told by uh, schools up north. So, they're, Hey, they're... Prime's getting a lot of like processing talk. But let me tell you something, Nick Saban's been doing that for a long time. We're just now looking at it. That is true. That is true. Well, yeah, yeah. So we'll 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 uh, obviously hop in there. But Jameson, we gotta hit your music. Let's dive into the earliest crude corner you maybe have ever had. Jamison. Yes. What is this? Jamison. This is a rooted corner with Jamison. Every morning dancing. Oh, that's nice. Let's just go in order and let's just talk about the April commits as they came into this class. And we kind of hit on them in past episodes, but the first one we got to talk about is Michael Hawkins. Um, we've talked about it, but let's just revisit it because it's super cool to get a legacy back in the boat whenever I feel like we've been kind of struggling with some legacies. As of recently, we've had a couple guys, you know, like Caden Green, but um, it's always nice to get the guys that you're supposed to. It came down to the end, Michael Hawkins quarterback commit out of Texas, four-star kind of guy. Um, TCU was going to take him. It, it was a strong thought. Um, but we ended up offering his little brother as a DB commit in the next, uh, class and we ended up getting him. And it's weird. I like, I, like I keep on saying, I feel like we've are now in year two 
uh, Brent Venables, but we still have to retrain our brain. And we're, we're thinking about recruiting because a lot of us really got into recruiting deep whenever Lincoln Riley made it really fun and cool to follow it. So all of our kind of, you know, foundation of recruiting is as an OU fan. I mean, we had some of the Bob Stoops era, but it really, I feel like I didn't get deep into it until Lincoln Riley showed me. And getting a quarterback in two classes in a row just doesn't make any sense. Hell, we have a quarterback in 2025 right now with Sperry. So having a guy that was highly recruited early in his high school career, and even though he's fallen down the rankings a little bit, you know, he has the weapons, feels pretty good to know that, hey, there's not going to be a situation, hopefully in the future, where our quarterback room is going to be so thin that we're our backup quarterback we don't even trust. Right. You don't want to sit – oh, this is the wrong one. Best helmet do... in college. <laughs> yeah, that was a different thing. Uh, yeah, no, Michael Michael Hawkins, my bad. That's why you don't use old uh, folders of uh, of your dropdowns. Uh, yeah, I had it as Michael Michael Hawkins quarterback. For, for those of you listening on the pod, uh, four-star, but instead of doing um, – I did four asterisks, and I realized that might mean – might look like I was saying a bad word there. Good enough. Not a five-star quarterback. I don't even want to talk. <laughs> it's just like curse. It's just like, oh shit. We just got Michael so, Hawkins. <laughs> I uh, I do have a question actually. When it comes yeah. to when it comes to this specifically, when you're talking about you know the the norm in college football is not to get a a high-rated quarterback recruit in every single class. You know, it might seem counterintuitive with the transfer portal because it's so easy for people to leave. We've especially seen that with highly recruited quarterbacks. Could it, in fact, be a, a strategy going forward that you're just getting as many as you can to sort of hedge against a guy transferring? Because it's not always the backups that transfer. Sometimes it's your starting guy. And uh, I think we've seen maybe with some of these early portal moves that there are schools that have stacked quarterbacks. I mean, Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. Uh, is one example. Joe Burrow being at Ohio State, I think, is is maybe another example where you can stack quarterbacks and end up okay. I mean, I guess OU special circumstances when it came to to losing all those those stacked quarterbacks. But um, while it could seem counterintuitive, do you think that might be just the play going forward that uh, you're even getting in recruiting pitches? Is hey, quarterback battles are more open than ever now that people can move freely. So why don't you do come? this year because you could be fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing is back in the day, we could do this every other quarterback thing because that was our reputation coming off back-to-back -back Heisman quarterback guys. And then Jalen hurts the next year, you know, we produce quarterbacks to go into the NFL. So it's a risk, but we're getting probably the pick of the litter in every single recruiting cycle. And those guys typically aren't going to leave if they don't have anyone to back them up in the next recruiting cycle. They feel very, very secure in their job. Risky Obviously, whenever Caleb Williams leaves and we have to really scramble at the last second, but still it's high reward. Now in today's day and age, we don't have this kind of reputation anymore with our coaching staff that we have the quarterback whisperer. We have guys that go into the Heisman. Um, we kind of have to not take, we can't take these risks anymore. We have to get multiple guys. Like you said, just in case people leave and our quarterback room gets thin, Nick Evers just left, you know, after we were talking all great about him, whenever Jeff Levy came in the boat. And we got him like that next month before signing day ended. So, and especially, I think a big, big point to make about Michael Hawkins, and it might not be intended, but maybe there was some, is getting a guy at the quarterback position that has some allegiance to the university 
um, even if he's not from in-state, is a big deal in keeping depth. Because if he feels like he has a strong connection to Oklahoma through growing up and watching them and being a fan of the team, maybe he won't hit the transfer portal if he doesn't do as well as he wants to in his early career. Maybe he'll see some, you know, like maybe I can get onto the field later in the career. I don't need immediate satisfaction um, kind of thing because we can fall back on the allegiance side of it. Yeah, and I mean, that's one of the trickiest things, you know, when you deal with, you know, quarterbacks and stockpiling quarterbacks, especially with the portal. Um, Because a guy like Nick Evers, he was basically never really going to play this year. Um, And uh, I I don't know. I I mean, we're not in those rooms. We don't know what it's like being an OU's quarterback room this year. Uh, But um, if if it's an opportunity thing, if he feels like he wasn't getting a fair shot, that just wasn't really realistic. So um, there'll be a lot of movement in quarterback rooms, I think across the country, um, just because you can't spread out that Um, you want to be playing, you know, it's the old adage of if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Um, We lived that out one year, Um, but um, no, I I think that's a tricky thing to balance because you can't balance the playtime as much as you can with pretty much any other position. So, um, very interested to see how he, how he handles that. But, you know, being an OU legacy, having a tie to the university, uh, that's definitely a plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, like Ty was thinking about insurance policy. There's a lot of movement going on. So I agree totally. It's a completely different mindset. Let's move on from Michael Hawkins because it's a little bit late and we haven't talked about this guy yet on this pod. And I understand people are wanting to hear the new commit stuff, but we're just going to go through all of April because it's the off season. So sorry about you. KJ Daniels. Uh, wide receiver commit out of Louisiana. And this guy is speed, all speed, five foot nine. And they have him listed at 150 pounds right now. This dude is just small and fast. But the thing is, whenever you're recruiting, you've got to get speed guys. It is so difficult to get speed guys. We'll talk about Brennan Thompson in a little while, but having guys that can just go out there and run by the defense, that is a huge, huge get because you don't know what they could turn into. But no matter what, they will always have that gift of speed. You see guys, you know, you're recruiting like, oh, this guy has great sense um, for like, you know, a lot of intangibles and all these kind of things. Sometimes those players don't work out um, whenever they move on to the college level from high school. You can't teach speed. And that's what we get with this guy. It's honestly a great flyer. Yeah, I mean, that raw speed is... um... You know, it, it, it's something that I mean, speed, you know, speed kills on the on the field like um, that. I feel like is slightly more teachable, although, you know, you can't throw Usain Bolt out there and have him run a go around. It takes time. It takes good, uh, you know, um, coaching. But, you know, I, I yeah, feel he's like got a, it, he's got a whole Jones. other year of of call. I mean, of high school football right now. Yes. And Jones killing it right now. On the oh, my God. Show. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot, a lot of time left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, speed speed kills on the field at, at Pickleman's, especially. <laughs> oh, God. Woof. All right, and now we're, we're, let's move on away from that because it's crazy that we're still talking about April commits right now and moving on about four days after KJ Daniels commit. We get Isaiah Autry, offensive tackle out of Mississippi. And you're like, okay, Mississippi three-star guy. That's not really any fun. But, Bobby, you've probably heard it. Ty's probably heard it. And everyone's loving to talk about it. Oh, who is his cousin? You know? That, that's why he came to OU. He's got a really cool connection to OU with his cousin. Y'all know this, right? 
I don't think I do actually. Oh well, it's it's Marcus Dupree's cousin. Oh so wait, no, no. Okay, I remember this. I remember this. What a great time. sign. Yeah, right. One of the best college football players to ever play, Ty. Right. That's what mm, you're going. Debatable. For. Debate. I mean, he's he's a firm number two on on OU behind uh, probably Troy Aikman. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my but god! It, the whole thing is—it's another guy with a connection to the program, and, it, and I understand it's just a cousin. I don't know how close the cousin is. I don't know if it's a second cousin. It's probably cousin not very close. If he's, yeah, not I would a close think so. cousin if he wants to come to OU. Oh well, I didn't know that there was a positive feeling from that family towards OU. Uh, uh, I don't. Well, know. Yeah, I, really, I I think that they're. I think they're fine. I think after the documentary came out, they made up. Well, that's good. But all it is, is it's just a cool story. And this is just another big body in the offensive line room. And any type of guy who commits early to OU as an offensive lineman, I don't care what your rating is. I trust you because that means Bill Beanbow said that is a take. And Bill Beanbow does not care about your stars. We've had plenty of three stars go into the NFL and make big, big money. Hell, we talk about Creed Humphrey all the time. He was a borderline four-star. Maybe He was three-star for a lot of it. You know, Orlando Brown, three-star. Uh, you can't really think about it with these offensive line recruits um, because Bill Beanbow really looks at technique. There's so many guys that come into this system. I guess not so many, but there are some guys that come into this system, and they are great, great athletes, did great in high school, had stars. Bray Walker is who I'm kind of talking about here, and he could never grasp the system. He didn't have, you know, the footwork that Bill Beanbow wanted. didn't have it up top either. And so now that's why he's playing for Texas State next season. It's, it's a shame, but it's uh, honestly a big deal to see a guy that could fit into Bill Beanbow's system, and he feels confident about this guy, taking him early, and I like it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's Beanbow way, and you know we kind of talked about this, you and I, just how weird it is that uh, you know, Beanbow's doing what he's doing without like these massive, massive five-star type of guys. Um, he's a developer for sure. Yeah, and Anton Harrison was a four-star, but he wasn't like a super high four-star either. He was like, you know, closer to a three-star than he was a four-star. So right. it's, and this was a guy who started as a true freshman, went three years straight into the first round. So I'm just like, I feel like with wide receivers, quarterbacks definitely, um, running backs, and then probably like DBs, people that play in seven on seven, I will look at your stars and take it very, very like seriously. Because those are going to have those intangibles I talked about and just this clear twitch factor that you can't teach. They're just pure athletes and usually athletic profile is going to translate to how well you do in the, um, to get to college football and then possibly in the NFL. For offensive linemen, a lot of it's going to be technical. So I'm going to wait to judge on these big time four-star, five-star guys until they can actually go in and show up. Unless they're like super freaks guys, you know, that, you know, no matter what, like Evan, you know, Evan Neal for Alabama a couple of years ago. Like you knew that guy was going to be a first round pick when as soon as he went into college. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one thing that comes to mind uh, just on the topic of, of linemen and recruiting is like you spoke about when it came to quarterbacks, we, we used to be known as having the quarterback whisperer. Um, I mean, obviously not to continue to dive back into that, that Lincoln Riley storyline, but he was and, and continues to be at least for now, but we do have the lineman whisperer. I mean, that's what you just, spoke about and, and the evidence is there. I mean, if you're a, an offensive lineman coming out of high school and you want to go to the NFL, I really don't know that there's a better spot. I mean, you can make arguments for, 
for different schools. But when you're when you're looking at again Beedenbo's track record, especially when it's it's very easy to get people who are, are five stars coming out of high school into the NFL. I mean, that's without developing them very much because they still carry that legacy. And generally, you know, they might go to a, a bigger brand school. I mean, I think that's how A&M gets every one of their draft picks. It's just no development, but they rely on their high school resume. But Beatonball is developing these guys who aren't coming up with, with, you know, the highest star ratings. And, you know, that can be a flawed system and, and truly turning them into, you know, first round NFL draft picks or super mm-hmm. high pick. When's the last time, you know, it's very rare that you see offensive linemen in just nationwide commercials for stuff. I mean, that's the, the recognition, <laughs> you know, look at Creed Humphreys in commercials. And I mean, that's a funny, you know, comparison to make, but that's not a very common thing that you see a lineman, especially when the only thing they're known for is football um, on, on commercials and stuff, especially that early in their career. And then Creed Humphrey, isn't that something that, that beat and bought did? If Patrick Mahomes touch, yeah, if Patrick Mahomes touches your butt crack about 90 times a game, like that's probably gonna make you pretty famous. <laughs> so I think that's I think that's what it is. <laughs> pretty much. But but uh, but but on the real, you know, all things aside, we can just talk about it from you know our our sooner colored, you know, crimson tinted glasses right now about how oh yeah, we're O-line you and all this kind of stuff. And Bill Beatenbow is like the new O-line whisperer. You know, he's got a pretty good track record. Uh, he does, but obviously there's aren't a lot. You know, we we talked about it. Um, Bobby and I talked about Anton Harrison first. You know, round first round pick for a Bill Beanabo, which is crazy to think. It really is. Um, but you can tell straight up that there is a huge respect factor looking at the Wanye Morris pick in this draft. A third round pick for Wanye Morris surprised a lot of people, and it surprised me. I thought that was a reach. Well, what is a team that has had a great, great experience with Bill Beatonbow offensive lineman? That's the Chiefs. And the Chiefs know this guy is putting out really good talent. I don't care if Wanya Morris is only there for a year or two. Like, I'm going to go take a chance on him because I feel like he's had some good teaching. Orlando Brown did us really well. I understand now he's in Cincinnati Bengals now, but he did great whenever he's here. And Creed Humphrey was one of the best picks they've had, you know, period. Like, all pro that early as a – like not even a first round pick. That is a big, big deal. There is a respect factor in the NFL for OU offensive line. Yeah. And I mean, um, Andy Reid said just as much on, uh, I believe the uh, NFL network coverage of uh, the draft. He gave a lot of praise to Beaton bow and um, rightfully so he, he produces some insanely good uh, offensive linemen. Yeah. yeah. And so let's let's move on. Um, enough about offensive line talk. Getting some more fun. Uh, let's talk about DBs. Jaden Hardy, uh, Louisville, Texas, 5'11". He's a four-star guy. Um, him committing to Oklahoma is another awesome, awesome commit. Another spring um, spring game kind of commit. And this guy might not have the measurables like we're kind of talking about, the things you can't teach. This is not a guy who's going to be a six-foot-two safety. He's 5'11". He's not the fastest, but this is one of those guys that has feel and um, can get into the right place at the right time. At the position like safety, I feel like that's probably the most important position to have feel on the football team because you've got to make the right angles. How many times have we had safety in the past who just don't make the right angles, don't make the right play? Plenty of times. And a lot of the times, I feel like as of recently, we've been kind of just taking guys as DBs. We don't know if they're a cornerback. We don't know if they're a safety. This guy's got a good head and shoulders. He makes the right tackle. When watching his film, you can tell that he's very fundamentally sound. Um, another solid commit to this class. 
Oh. Bobby loves speechless. <laughs> I'm do I'm running a lot of production here. I ah. Yeah, no, I want I want a compilation of Bobby's excuses every single time he comes back from mute. It's usually production based. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do too many things at once. Um, yeah, no, more safeties the better. But yeah, I, I think it's good. Honestly, there's not too much to talk about with him. I think it's a really good commit. Um, obviously, going to bolster um, our ratings, but it's great to have smart guys that look good on film. But I think the most fun guy that we have got to talk about, and then we can kind of talk about portal guys too after this. In this class, the 2024 class is Zion Kearney, um, wide receiver out of Missouri City, Texas. He's a top 50, I I think, wide receiver by some people, top 100 by most all of them. He's really, really talented. You watch his film; he just blows by everybody. He might not have like the straight line speed numbers. He's not like some like four four four, you know, four three five kind of speed like a Marvin Mims did just ran, but he gets by people. He has long strides. He's a really, really special wide receiver. And getting a special wide receiver that is highly rated and is highly you know, thought of this early in the cycle, I think is a really big deal because I feel like we've struggled as of recently with wide receivers and recruiting classes. I understand we've kind of gotten you know, a couple of good guys. I, I say Jaquais Petaway was, was a hell of a get for us last year. Um, but I feel like almost for the past three or four cycles – I hate to say it since like the 2019 cycle. I feel like every single cycle we're like, I'm kind of worried about this wide receiver class. We might have a guy or two, but I am worried about the top and, you know, depth and skill here. Getting another a wide receiver this early is a big deal. Whenever there's more guys waiting that we could possibly get. Well, I mean, look at the depth right now that uh, spring game, you know, it did not look like a very deep unit at all. Um, so seeing a couple of these wide receivers, you know, around the, uh, around mm -hmm. the corner. It's a little exciting, even, even though they're not coming yet this year. Uh, it, it, it it's a good sign for depth. Yeah. And you want another guy to be excited about just in terms of like star ratings and a guy that's looking to come to OU. That's probably a lean right now. Brian Wesco, look him up five star. Um, according to two, four, seven, he is their number nine overall player in the country, number one player in Texas, number three wide receiver in the country. He's got three crystal balls to OU, and I understand we need to kind of talk about this whole which recruiting service do we believe in now with everyone playing musical chairs right now because it's just going to hurt my head so much. But all I know is this guy's got a lot of eyeballs on him, and a lot of people think he can go to OU. So this could be a really good wide receiver class. Yeah. I had a friend ask me if we were taking over one of the services and I was like, no, we're not there. <laughs> hey, no, we have, we have developed this brand. We don't need to move anywhere else into someone yeah. else's footsteps. No, we don't need that. No, we need, we need boots on the ground too, Bobby. We need you out there um, getting these scouting reports for these, um, these high schoolers. Cause we don't have anyone like that yet. You think you can oh, do yeah. it? I'll just, I'll just drive around with Rosie in the passenger seat, you know, just film all these, you know, high school kids in Texas. I'm sure Daryl, or I'm sure Daryl will love that. My wife, it'll be great. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, yeah, we, we use, we use a lot of other people's information and <laughs> we are, we're not reporting anything. We're just giving our takes on this, but seriously, I think every guy in this 2024 class, that we have right now that I've said I'm very happy about. I think having six right now as of May 2nd, Bobby, the second day in May, uh, I think it's, it's a pretty big deal for a Brent Venables class. For a, I feel like many people would think, oh, we aren't going to fill right until the end of the year. Right. It, it's a big deal. And I think, it's, you know, for rankings, it, it looks good to have, you know, 
anything up there. I mean, um, like you said, most of, like everyone we've mentioned has pretty much come in April, other than one guy, like one guy. And I, so the whole class has basically been April. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I, I don't know. Ty, what what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I think success naturally creates more success or creates more opportunities for success. Obviously, especially when you're you're talking about something like recruiting that can be very hype based. I mean, it's no different than uh, a lot of other, you know, fashion or, or anything like that. There there can be a lot of hype that's part of it. And when you get these these trains going, you know, you almost create that that um, you know, not necessarily artificial scarcity in the market, but you know, oh, hey, everybody's jumping on this. You you build the social proof by building your your recruiting class, and obviously, social proof a, a very big thing for for people of of the age that are getting recruited into college football. So it's a, there's really no downsides to building a class, you know, as, as early as you can, obviously, you know, we know in the current college football landscape that nothing is uh, a certain, you know, lock, you know, these people can still decommit. These people could still end up transferring once they, once mm-hmm. they get to OU. But when it comes to recruiting, you know, the more the merrier. And I, I think you generate some of this really good success. Obviously you can, you can turn people off if your room starts to look a little full in a certain position group. But I think, you know, one thing that I was thinking when y'all were talking about receivers was I, it, it must be a pretty easy sell to get receivers coming on this OU team because they can look at the spring game and they can go, I think things are getting even better in the coming years in the quarterback department. I can see that the situation is, is obviously going to get a lot better in the O-line department as this line develops, but they don't have the receivers. So if I'm a high rated receiver, and I'm looking at, at the receivers that I'm going to be competing against coming into OU uh, and then looking at, at the quarterback and the line situation, you know, the things that are going to dictate whether or not I'm going to get the ball thrown to me. Uh, I think it's a very, very easy sell for some of these high-rated guys. So I, I hope that they're watching that and seeing that and seeing that there's opportunities on this team to really, really shine um, under, this, under this new sort of era of OU football as it truly begins. Yeah, wide receivers typically get quicker, you know, playing time compared to other positions. You see a lot of true freshmen get out there. So, you know, it's kind of fun to say like, oh, this wide receiver is coming in with this quarterback commit. But I feel like a lot of these guys are also looking like Jackson Arnold's going to be throwing me passes in my true freshman year. And that's a big deal, obviously, especially in the Texas um, hemisphere. People know Jackson Arnold. People know what he's got. Maybe he he might not be the top quarterback in that recruiting class, but I feel like a lot of Texas athletes know that he probably deserves it. Um, he was the Gatorade national player of the year. So, um, I mean, there's, that's, that says something that we're getting Texas big time commits. So let, I think Ty made a really good point and we can kind of pivot and, and have a natural tra- um, progression to the transfer portal here. And I think there are some guys watching the spring game that said, yeah, uh, I could see myself helping this team even next year because their spots and we talked about it in our spring game pre, um, post interview. Or, I want to know what I'm saying. Post episode, uh, it was our O line was miserable. We had no depth. And I understand we were hurt at the top, but there are spots to go in and fill in and maybe even start as an O line. And we had guys in the transfer portal at the spring game. And I guarantee you, we're trying to take some guy on the inside, especially the guard position, because that guard position is thin. 
if we have one guy go down between Savion Bird and McKay Metallier, I, I don't feel confident about anyone beyond that. And I feel I feel like we really need a transfer portal target from that guard position. And the two guys that were that everyone's been talking about on the boards and that was at the spring game, um, we should probably dive into. Uh, the two names, Troy Everett, uh, Appalachian State offensive lineman, and then San Diego State, Blake's favorite, college Josh Simmons. Josh Simmons just committed to Ohio State. A lot of people thought he was down between Ohio State and Oklahoma. But now eyes go to Troy Everett. Troy Everett, Appalachian State offensive lineman, can come in, be that depth in the inside that we're looking for, and I would keep a close eye on him and see where does he go or is it going to be OU? Yeah, I mean – Obviously, I'm a big fan. Having a Yosef guy on board, you know, would be pretty cool. We almost got our chance with TD Roof last year, but he got hurt. So uh, I, for one, am pumped about that. But no, I, I mean, um, he would. That's the thing that, that's really nice about the portal is adding experience. Uh, just in adding experience from JUCO is always nice, but adding experience that has you know played you know um, you know major D1 college football that's huge. Um, and that would be, I think, a, a really, really good ad. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a needed ad. It might not be like a lot of these times, you know, we're looking at the transport. Like, can I get a starter? Where is he going to play? He doesn't have any room. He's not going to he's not going to be in, you know, the five deep. The offensive it's, lineman. it's right now. We are past the spring game. So if we're taking transfers, don't think they're going to be a starter. They're coming in for depth and they probably know that. And. I don't care if like that's that's your priority. You want to go find guys that are big time skills. I don't need that right now. I need depth at the offensive line because that scares me. We say it all the time for the however however many years we've been on this podcast. Offensive line is by far, in my opinion, the most important position on the football field because if you do not have good offensive linemen, you can have the best quarterback and he can look like absolute doo doo because he has no time to throw and he has no the the, the quarterback. Um, we saw all the time last year when our offensive line was not playing well, Dylan Gabriel could not go through his progressions and would panic and would either get sacked or make a stupid play. We need good pass blockers. We need interior linemen and we need depth of something. And that's what this Appalachian state guy, uh, Troy Everett could bring. I, I think we can still talk about portal. Because uh, everyone wants to talk Brennan Thompson. I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Talk about speed. Talk about wide receiver. And this is a big-time guy uh, And whenever it comes down to speed. Really, really fast times in terms of track speed. He didn't get much production at Texas in his freshman year. I think he only one got catch. one catch. Yes. And so you're saying, like, oh, is he really that good? This guy was highly recruited and was a guy that thought about Oklahoma through recruiting. And now it's – Another thing where it's like he's circling back. He loved the campus. And even though it's a different, you know, coaching uh, pool that he's working with here in Norman, uh, he thought of himself as a possibility in the last class. So it's kind of an easy transition. So getting second place for these guys, you know, every single year isn't the end of the world in terms of the transfer portal because you never know when they could turn around and come back. But I think this guy would be a pretty fun piece but I don't know how much production people are really thinking he's going to get this year. I think a lot of people are saying like, oh, we could come in. There's a clear need for downfield speed. Andrew Anthony didn't really make me too happy in the spring game. Um, Brendan Thompson come in and do that. Brendan Thompson's probably not going to be that big of a player for us in this team. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes 10, 15 catches this year. 
Uh, but he's going to be fun whenever he does get those catches. Exactly. He's one of those guys where it's like, if it, if it works out, it, it's awesome. If it, if it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, you're just adding depth to a pretty mm -hmm. not deep spot. Yeah. Ty. I have actually some tremendous insight on Brennan Thompson. So I okay. not that I have before, but you mentioned it and I started Googling around and one of the things that he said in his recruiting, one of his other top schools when he was looking around was Clemson. Now, obviously Brent Venables, not on the offensive side of things at Clemson, but I just skimmed through while you were talking uh, some articles on, on Clemson sort of fan sites and stuff. And he was quoted as, as saying that his favorite thing about Clemson, besides the fact that they win a lot, which is what he opened with, which is funny, uh, but he, he liked the family atmosphere. And he said, I like how all of the coaches have a family atmosphere on both sides of the ball. And they just have a different like this vibe about the program. I'm summarizing what he's, he said. Um, and that's the same thing that Venables brought back to OU. I mean, he brought that sort of Dabo Sweeney style, more family uh, style vibe is what he's trying to implement with his, his program. So, I, I mean, it seems very natural with the with the evidence that we have you know that he already liked OU it was high up on his list recruiting wise and then you know obviously wasn't a fit at Texas if he's looking to leave but then he loved Clemson and, and that environment and we've imported some of that back to uh to our school so I mean you you look at that stuff and there's nowhere else where he he would have gone and that's I think you know I don't think I'm jumping to too many conclusions to say that that was definitely a factor and and that's a nice thing to see because a lot of people do resonate with that you know a lot of Sorry. A lot of people do resonate with that. I like the family environment. I like the, you know, it doesn't feel as, as corporate or as harsh or as, as brutal. You know, I, I feel like I'm in an environment where people care about me and they're not just, you know, the coach is in for the long run. He's not just looking to build his resume and hop somewhere else. And that's not a Lincoln Riley jab uh, specifically. I just think that's how it is at, at some schools. You know, if I'm looking at Ole Miss, do I really think that Lane Kiffin is going to be there for, for tenure? Maybe. But if I look at his resume, you know, I don't really see that. I look at OU and Brent Venables and, uh, you know, is, is, if he's successful, I think he's here for life. I mean, look at his resume. He's been at three places and he was uh, long term at, at all three of them. So I, I think that will resonate. You know, I think that obviously resonated with him. And I think that will hopefully resonate with more people uh, down the road. And that can be an edge. You know, it can be an edge to maybe be less of a high pressure environment, obviously, maybe. Certain position groups, we'd like maybe maybe there's a little more pressure from the coaches. Maybe there's a little more firing of people, but uh, it is nice to to see sort of that culture that we've spoken about so much with Brent Venables and that he's trying to establish. I think we can jump to a conclusion here, a pretty reasonable one, that that culture is is paying out. Is he going to be a great player for us? Is he going to you know meaningfully contribute? I don't know. Hopefully, he just remembers a lot of the Texas playbook, maybe. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a, maybe a good insight. Yeah. Worst case scenario. He's just like, you know, a human little USB, uh, you know, one of those little USB things that you used to plug in your uh, computer, you know, what am I trying, you know, the little, uh, the little memory card, the little data stick, whatever. He could just come over and give us some of Sark's plays. Like, sure. like I don't like even a know human thumb drive. drive. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> thumb drive. My God. That's yeah. what it's called. I just call been, them USBs, but I guess that's really not the correct term. Yeah, it's a thumb drive. I like to I like to think that that we got him, and 
and we're we're treating them like uh what's that what's that girl in the stranger things show the uh the 11, 11. girl we've got him in like a like a floating in like a sensory deprivation tank and he's just hooked up to all sorts of like memory stuff and you think we care that much about texas we're trying to extract we we got absolutely demolished against we should i don't think we do but either we should because we obviously don't and that's why we got destroyed by them so hopefully hopefully we're doing some sort of debrief or interrogation of this guy you know i'm feeling good right now and i'm in a good safe space within my head that i had to think for a couple of seconds to remember what happened in the texas game last year because we were talking about like oh i wonder if you know we really need to put a lot of our effort into texas this year and then i had to think about how'd that game go last year i completely i erased it for a little bit which i think is very healthy for me and i'm very happy about that moving forward (laughs) it's Um, just completely removing that memory (laughs) yes let's let's move on from recruiting bobby let's talk about the college football playoff picture Yes, yes. So, uh, college football playoff um, playoffs, playoffs. The uh, <laughs> the uh, head head of the CFP and everything. They have already announced dates and everything. Uh, really, we knew we knew it was going to be twelve. Obviously, we knew that pretty much what bowls were going to be in what spots. But the most interesting thing to me, uh, first rounds that are going to be on campus are going head to head against the NFL. Uh, they're doing those on Friday and Saturday, and um, I don't know, Jameson. How are you feeling about how we feel about uh, college football going head to head with the juggernaut that is the National Football League? They're gonna lose. It's we've seen it, you know, with like the Thanksgiving overlaps that we have. You know, people are going to probably watch more NFL, even if it is college football playoffs, and it's a sad reality. Even though that NFL is not going to be in the playoffs at that time. It's fantasy football. It's as simple as that. It's the betting atmosphere is much bigger and professional than it is in college football. And people that are big time sports fans, they will typically watch if they have, you know, their toes in something. And in college football playoffs, I just feel like it's not as big of a betting and fantasy market. Um, So people are going to always watch the NFL. It's sad, but I still think it's good. I still think it's great for um, us to expand 12 teams. It's going to be more fun for the loyal college football watcher. Right. And it's, um, it's tricky and annoying that the NFL keeps kind of, you know, treading into college football waters. You know, they're having a black Friday game for the first time ever uh, this year, which uh, is pretty, pretty annoying. Um, we've but, we've, know, got, uh, we've got uh, TCU on Black Friday, right? We do. Yeah, OU has TCU on Black Friday, and you know that. Who knows? That might be a re- renewal of a, of an old tradition because we used to host teams on uh, Black Friday. You know, going back to Nebraska, really just Nebraska was always Black Friday. Um, but the NFL is just going to continue to creep. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it's handled going forward. Um, Thursdays have been completely decimated uh, uh, in terms of the college football schedule. Those used to be cool games. I remember watching, do you remember that one year? It was 2007, that year with all the really cool Big East upsets that always would go down on Thursday. That was the best. And now mm-hmm. it's yep. nothing. Um, so, well, it, it's, it's, it's just an unfortunate reality of it. Um, I have heard rumors about moving the season up a bit. So, they don't clash because the NFL won't yeah. be playing Saturday games. Great uh, idea. Yeah. Cause to start you on know, like zero. it still gives a couple like weeks for the kids to acclimate to class. You know, most of the colleges are starting in the mid 
mid-August, right? So we can move it up a week or two, right? And they'd still be fine. Because I, I know that the, the start of the schedule for college football is absolutely like we want to make sure the students aren't playing games already whenever they're just starting class because right. a lot of them would struggle academically. I know Ty's got thoughts on that. Are we are we still pretending that the the football players go to class? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, academics. I guess I shouldn't use the word class. Um, completing academics to the point where you could move on and pass. Is that right. a better way to say it? <laughs> We're not talking yeah, about Marcus I mean, Major here. See, no Marcus some Major. Of them, jokes, some please. of them are are present. I mean, his thing was he just didn't enroll, which is like it's. So, <laughs> I still don't understand how that occurred i think that's more on the team than it is him but yeah i guess if if you mean they they know know the test days that they have to show up and they can come and try to try to copy my paper the gymnastics team does that too but we're not going to (laughs) spread uh as long as we're winning uh, baby doesn't matter certain certain national champion gymnasts yeah at least they win so i i will excuse that but uh yeah i did have some thoughts that brilliant plan by ou this year to schedule a football team from Dallas Fort Worth on the Thanksgiving weekend, guaranteed win there. So uh, good thing that we we saw that. And uh, I did think it was interesting, though, uh, Bobby, your stance on um, the the playoff games competing with NFL games when it came to TV, because you've spent the the bulk of this afternoon arguing with a friend of ours about the Big Twelve playing games in Mexico and how that hurts the fan experience, although it might be good for the TV experience. I think the playoffs, who cares who they're competing against uh, on TV? It's going to be great for the fan experience. So I, I almost think, you know, does losing the, the TV experience, I guess, decrease the likelihood that it continues to happen? Perhaps. But I think those first-round games being on campuses, I don't think it much. I mean, if people are true college football fans, they're going to tune in and – uh if you're a fan of the team that's playing and you get it at your home field or, you know, you're, you know, not fortunate enough to have it at your home field, but you get to go to a playoff game in another college town, if it is in a college town, uh, I think that's a super, super cool experience. I think maybe hopefully there will be some regionality to that. And I think even if it gets absolutely destroyed TV wise and ratings wise, I think it's absolutely could not be more of a win for for the fans of the teams that are going to be going to those games. Oh yeah, I'm fully with you. Um on campus sites, all of that, it's going to be unreal. Um it's going to be a really cool experience, especially cuz I believe you're getting a triple header um because they're going to have one game on Friday and then three straight playoff games on the Saturday. And it's going to be an unreal fan experience and in-game experience. Could you imagine what OU would be like hosting a, a college football playoff game? Like the, the tailgating atmosphere, just all of it would be unreal through the roof. Um, incredible stuff. Uh, I'm all for that. I, I, for me, it was just more like, Oh, this is really intriguing that they're, you know, really, they're, they're going to square up with the NFL here. Um, yeah. Which I'm Quarterfinals the next week after, that round of the 12 um do they give them like weeks in between or are they squeezing it more do we know that yet yeah so hold on let me i really should have had this graphic pulled up so um the quarterfinals are that first um round of 12 and then you move on to the semis which are going to be over um uh the that 
New Year. No, hold up, hold up, hold uh, up. Let's let's get let's get things straight. So we it. have twelve, and they're giving the first four buys, right? Um, wait. Yeah, no, how, how is that? How, no, you're right. How it's is that going to work? Because I, I have, I uh, so you have the round of twelve. So you have five through twelve right. playing, and then you have That's the first quarter That is, a, that is next, not a quarterfinal. You're right. I was yes. I was totally wrong with that. That is not a quarter quarterfinal. My bad. Uh, that is that is a first round. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So first round, um, we'll be going on. Um, let's see. It's going to be uh, Friday. Um, December 20th and then uh, December okay. 21st on Saturday. And then the quarterfinals will be held over uh, the, that New Year's stretch. So uh, Tuesday on the 31st and Wednesday on New Year's Day. Okay, so it's kind of like a week and a half off in between games here. Right. And then another about 10 days between the semifinals, which will be on um, separated out, which is interesting, uh, Thursday uh, and Friday. Uh, so Thursday the 9th and Friday the 10th, and then the national championship on the 20th. Wow, that is weird. January 20th national championship. That's the weirdest yeah. thing about this announcement. Like, that is late. That's late, late. Um, talk about competition with the NFL. That's like heat of NFL playoffs. And that, what day of the week is that? Monday, as okay. is tradition, which is a crappy tradition, by the way. I, I hate how the championship's on a Monday. And you know, NFL really, playoffs like, have been trying to dip into that Monday night football thing in the middle of the playoffs too. So um, it, it's not over. There's going to be competition still. I doubt, I strongly 1000% doubt that they're going to try to compete with the national championship of college football. Um, but you've got to think about it. I mean, maybe they, maybe they should be nicer to the free minor league that, uh, that they've been provided for, I don't know, ever. So yeah, whatever. they're they're not gonna they're not gonna compete with the national championship. They no chance. Can. Yeah, no. It's just I don't know. Not my favorite thing. I think college deserves to be played on Saturday. If it was me, the national title would be on Saturday. Yeah, it'd all be on Saturday, uh, except for you know the Rose Bowl, which would be New Year's Day. And even then, it makes me mad whenever college football has to move off New Year's Day whenever it's on a Sunday because that's an NFL day. Mm-hmm. The NFL should move to Saturday. It's yeah, I don't know. I, I'm obviously extremely biased, but <laughs> I think college football should be played on Saturdays, what Bobby says, unless it's New Year's Day and they're on Sunday and then yeah. NFL can play on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Because it should be on New Year's Day. <laughs> Anyways, regardless, I want to wake up after I want to wake up extremely hungover every New Year's Day and turn on the like some Rose Bowl pregame coverage or the, or the mm-hmm. Gator Bowl or something. I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> feel right whenever it's like, I don't know, Seahawks Rams. I'm like, what? Are, get, get out of here. This is a college football day. This is a sacred day. But, you know, I'm obviously Bowl. in the minority. The NFL is supremely more popular than, than college. Um, it's, it's as popular as it gets in American sports. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, that point you made when we first started, Ty, though, about a – <laughs> the argument we had about the Mexico Big 12 games. Uh, that is definitely something I, I thought about slipping in if we hadn't gone a long time. We are 40 to 7 minutes in, and I'm not going to bring it up now. Uh, I think that'd be a fun pod to talk about with old uh, Boat and Blake, maybe. Yeah, maybe next week we can get him on and discuss future of the Big 12. If you're not aware of what we're talking about, future of the Big 12, they've announced plans to to schedule some college football and college men's college basketball games uh, played in Mexico city in the upcoming years. 
uh, just regular season sort of neutral site, marquee, not marquee matchups, but neutral site, regular season matchups to sort of spice things up. And uh, yeah, it's a whole topic. There's, there's plenty to dive into there uh, that I guess we will almost certainly have to save for another time just because of time constraints. Man, yeah. Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Mexico City is going to be a great one. Yeah, Iowa Ooh, State boy. versus West Virginia in Mexico City. <laughs> Talk about travel, Ty. Oh, why would you make poor West Ooh. Virginia get all the way down there? It's a long there. way to go. But, I, I will yeah. say, last note on the CFP, and we've covered it, quarterfinals also need to be on campus. It's BS that the Bulls still have that. And I know it's probably just because of the bull contracts, but those are about to run out. And whenever they do run out, cut them out of there. Cut them out of there. Two rounds. That's all you should, all the bulls should really get. But anyways, I digress. Um, all right, Ty, let's wrap this up. So you paid the Piper this weekend uh, for your loss in the weekend spread gambling challenge. And uh, you took on the 999. So I want to know, what was your experience like with it? How'd the process go? Tell the people how it went. And uh, how are you feeling after all of it? Yeah, so groundwork. Uh, to describe this for those unaware. So we do our, our bowl pick them every year. I'm not really sure. I was sliding all over the screen there. If you're watching on YouTube, um, <laughs> we do our bowl, not our bowl pick them or our regular season pick them every year where we pick generally 10 games every weekend uh, against the gambling line. And uh, I came up short this year. So I was uh, forced to do the, the punishment, which my other hosts, uh, in spite of my, incessant vetoes or attempts at vetoes every year, constantly pick eating uh, base punishments, which I'm not a big eater. So Yum. my punishment was to go to a baseball game. Uh, that was the worst part of the punishment. And then <laughs> uh, have <laughs> for each inning, because there's nine innings, one beer and one hot dog each inning until you either can't go anymore or you complete the challenge or the, the game. I mean, the game ends, you complete the challenge. If you, followed along. So other other entities have done this. Entities sounds way too serious for other other sports media and just random people. Uh and and we changed up the rules just slightly. So we we did it. You you have one inning to do one. So it was sort of paced out, which we'll get into here in a second. Other people have done it that it's just nine innings is your time limit. Go. So there's a whole bunch of strategies to just try to get as many as you can early on coast for a bit and then try to hit a second wind. Uh, I could not do that. So I was sort of tied to each inning, which was both a, a positive and a negative. So it was a positive in that the first few innings I very much got to enjoy, which I would not have had I just stuffed myself, you know, right away and then just been miserable the entire time. So I actually did get to enjoy a nice baseball game. We had beautiful weather and got to hang out with Boat and Blake and Bobby and Jameson and, and just enjoy some OU versus Kansas baseball and, and uh, catch up. I think it's the first time that the four of us have been together probably since Jameson's wedding. And um, so that was fun, but it around the fifth inning, I think I started to get a little full. I was eating uh, not too large of hot dogs, but probably about the length of, of a, a pen, obviously Bar -S. a little, Local bar s hot dogs. Yeah, bar s hot dogs. I had some sweet Hawaiian buns, uh, just because I looked at all the packages. We had a couple different buns. I looked at all the packages and just found the ones that were the lowest calorie and the lowest weight in uh, grams. And then just 
got to Eaton, I was drinking 12 ounce Heineken Zeros in a can. Uh, thought maybe I had a loophole in the in the rules by drinking non-alcoholic beer. I thought that would help me. I think ultimately it hurt me maybe because I think if you've if you've drank you know, five or six beers, <laughs> you maybe don't feel all of the pain. I'm not really sure. But uh, yeah, around the sixth inning, there's uh, a six dog firm wall. That's how many Jamison got in his hot dog eating yeah, contest. There's a big wall game. on that six. Uh, and that's about the time that you fill up. It really is the bread more than anything else. Although to Jamison's credit, he did eat much larger hot dogs, but he was not, he was not drinking beers. He just had water. So I think you know, maybe it balances out a little bit. And uh, ultimately, I went seven for seven in nine innings. Uh, it was challenging. Again, I'm not a big eater. I'm sure most of you are listening to this going, oh, I could have done a lot better. You probably could have. I'm Again, I'm not a big eater. <laughs> I don't like stuff myself. I My like normal eating schedule is like just kind of five smaller meals throughout the day uh, just because I like, I enjoy eating, but I don't want to like get stuck. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of people maybe could do it. Um, I wouldn't recommend trying it. It's not fun, again, because you have to go to a baseball game, uh, <laughs> which is you know, atrocious. But hey, yeah, we had a, a lot of runs, fun... OU Kansas. It yeah, it was a super fun atmosphere. It was a super fun atmosphere. And, and uh, because of the timing of it, I, I very much did get to enjoy my punishments uh, for most of the time. I guess we, if we were there for four hours – I got to enjoy the first three for sure, uh, just because of how it was paced out. And then the last hour was a little bit less fun, uh, just trying not to trying not to throw up. And then, of course, your pretty much your whole weekend is ruined after you've eaten that <laughs> many hot dogs in in close succession. I was surprisingly dehydrated for basically the rest of the weekend. I think maybe because the sodium content. And uh, mm-hmm. I got home, and all I wanted to do was have a water, but I was still like completely full at capacity so i couldn't i was like sipping on water all night it was just full and and yeah it it took a while for the eating schedule probably fully recovered uh Mm -hmm. maybe even just today but yeah not fun it's the salt it's by far the sodium is the worst part because you're so full and your body's like oh i've just taken in so much sodium i must need to hold on to this water in my body so so bad and you probably could you get off your wedding ring off that night? Yeah, I didn't get I didn't get like bloated or anything. If that's what you, you well, mm, well, that's very lucky. But yeah, you were probably you were super full and you couldn't pee and you were just miserable. Um, that's what hot dogs do to you in excess. Don't abuse hot dogs, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Don't abuse them dogs. <laughs> Bobby, for one second, kind of wanted to do it with you. I could tell at the beginning. He did. He I, to do yeah. It. So to y'all's credit, man. everyone but Boat and Blake. Boat and Blake had a, a couple of hot dogs and then was just chilling out. But to y'all's credit, y'all did try to stick with me until I think it was the third inning. The pizza and then you got, you got some free pizza. <laughs> and then you guys both ate a couple slices of pizza and then abandoned the uh, the hot dogs. Although I, I think don't Bob, Bobby, I think you did. I think you ate five hot dogs. I ate, like I ate a lot of. Two. I ate way too many hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, I think Bobby may like have just eaten, normally. The, yeah, the embarrassing right thing there. is Bobby may have eaten oh. as many hot dogs as I did, and then also a couple pieces of pizza. And so, <laughs> he, threw, he threw one of his hot dogs in the trash, though, because unfortunately, uh, the way we did not make them in the berm and the outfield, 
we grilled them beforehand and wrapped them in foil. But the in problem Oklahoma is, City. <laughs> the problem is <laughs> when they open up, it legitimately was like, like what was it, the Christmas vacation turkey scene where you open them up and it's just like a flat turkey with just bones inside. That's what it felt like opening up these shriveled hot dogs. So here's here's part of the problem with the dogs. Uh, so Blake and Jameson were the ones who grilled them and wrapped them. And they put them all in. And I didn't realize until I took them out that they didn't fully wrap some of them. So some of them were like kind of like boated. So they had like a little like a foil boat shell. around them. And then the top was exposed. Those were the dogs that were bad. I got a couple fully wrapped ones that look that like towards the end looking pretty good. I we did our dog review at the end. And I was like, oh, this is a good dog. And then every yeah. time it was like partially wrapped, horrible mm -hmm. dog. I, shriveled I, I, up. I failed y'all. It's a no, it's okay. It, it to be fair, to be fair, it's it is a it is a it is a tough, tough task to cook dogs and then bring them to a baseball but, game. You know what? I will say. I will say to sort of keep the momentum going. If you have an idea for a punishment for next year, please With reach out dogs. to us on on our socials. Um, Bobby can shout those out here at the end or in the comments here. Leave a comment on a YouTube video uh, if you're watching this after. And smash that like any button. one of them. No, or, or you know, <laughs> leave us a, a review on on some sort of wherever you listen to it and give a suggestion for the punishment uh, next year for picking the games. I think we would consider pretty much anything uh, as hot long dogs. as it's reasonable. Yeah. It, Nine it, hot dogs blended into a smoothie. Yes. Yum. I know that would probably be easier, but yeah, if, <laughs> if you guys have it, if you guys have That's an what idea, I call a meat shake. Um, shout, it, <laughs> shout it out to us so that we can wrap this pot up or Bobby's going to go off the rails here. <laughs> but uh, my mouth is watering <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, give us ideas for the punishment for next year because we will not be doing the 999 again we like to change it every year and um if you you know we're, we're always open to suggestions if you have a certain game you want us to pick you know coming up in, in the schedules next year we will be very soon not very soon in a couple months diving into schedules and season predictions and and a full swing of everything else so uh, feel free to to shout us out give us some feedback we would uh, greatly appreciate that and and run with whatever we we can as long as it's it's reasonable and, and good for for the content. I love it. I love it. As yeah. long as it's a meat shake. <laughs> meat shake. Ooh, I hate it. I hate it. Uh, Jameson, final thoughts before we head on out of here. No, I'm just excited to watch one of y'all eat the meat shake next year. Oh, <laughs> I well, so I, I feel like there could be some loopholes. There could be yeah, some loopholes there too, because isn't couldn't you just then roll that into a hot dog and make just a giant hot dog? That wouldn't quite be a hot dog, though. That would just be that is miserable. I don't even. Are you talking about blending like the? Wait, wait, no, no, no. Why would you want to put that in a bun? You just no. It just we can't do it. We can't. No, do it. no. I'm talking about if you if you took the nine hot dogs and blended them, and then just recooked them. That would just be, a, you would just create a larger hot dog. Or are you talking about like blending the buns with it as well? No, not with the buns. Definitely not with the bun. Yeah, I mean, if you yeah. So if you just blended... blended hot dog, is hot dog meat not already just like random cuts of meat blended and then put into? A I'm tube? not saying you cook the hot dog meat that you blended. You drink it. 
You don't cook the dog meat because then you're just making like a weird little sausage pack. Making like a ground chicken, essentially, yeah. consistency. <laughs> you having chicken hot dogs? No, no, I'm saying like the consistency of what ground chicken is. It's not like so, like a chicken meat. nugget. Jimmy says okay, some hot never mind. I, th- I think like we it. need to move on. I think we will brainstorm. We will get y'all a really good punishment for next year. Um, we're getting better each year. It doesn't have to be eating. I completely understand that. But it wants, I want it to be something that someone has to dread every single time you make a pick on the weekend spread. Yeah, it, it adds to it. I mean, we, me and Ty were like freaking out at the end of last year because neither of us wanted it. It, it, it brought some adrenaline whenever one of those picks hit. And I like, I don't think I actually gambled like at all last year, really on college football, but those picks meant everything because I didn't want the nine, nine, nine. I didn't want to be think, last. I think you should have to drink a liter of olive oil. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> What are we trying to do to ourselves? I know you said it should be so. I don't. I don't know what that would do. I don't. You're. You would be the expert on that. But it sounds like something that everyone would and should dread. Have to dress to... up like Mr. OU and go to a, every single sporting event at OU. Um, you have to hit every single sport, including like soccer, softball, <laughs> golf. Every that single would one. Be and you have to. You have to be non-feasible <laughs> for three out of the four of us. <laughs> be like a bankrupting challenge. <laughs> go to go to rowing. Be like wow. <laughs> but you have to get a really big hat like Mister OU and be like great value, Mister OU. Or we or we we send you to like the most random Big Twelve like tournament like you could go to like equestrian you have to give us you have to report back on it i don't know we'll we'll work on it we'll work on it but uh <laughs> jimmy says to eat a carolina reaper <laughs> i would i've done that, i've done though. the spicy i've done the spicy before i can't do it i don't want to face that again i love me some but, spice but yeah cut us off right. bobby this was a good pod great show everyone all right for me jameson and ty lee this has been the schooner pod thank you all so much for listening We'll be back uh, coming up soon with uh, some more off-season content, uh, more recruiting content. I, we, we know we can tell you all like it. Uh, you all stick around a while, uh, a little bit longer than our normal rambles. So uh, we'll, we'll try to weave that in a bit more. But uh, anyways, this has been the Schooner Pod. Hope you had a good time listening. Make sure to like, subscribe, etc., etc. We'll see you next time. Boomer Sooner, everybody.